Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. Okay. Welcome. We're back um, using Zoom again to our, our lady who tells us recording is in progress. So we, we've missed having her. We'd, we're using Squadcast and we'll we'll go back and forth between that. But we just wanted to not deal with the technical difficulties we, we had last week. So we're back to our tried and true Zoom. And today with us, we have Georgia, co-founder of NARA. Um, Nara Pants. We've talked about them a handful of times before on the show. So they have um, a Go Fly or, or Go the yeah Go the Go Fly right or Go there mm-hmm. Go Fly. Okay, and pants that you can pee in easily without dropping your drawers all the way down to your knees. So we'll get way more in depth about that. But I just wanted to do a little introduction to for Georgia here. I met her when I was at GOA at the trade show that I went to with Tahoe Mountain Sports back in November. Um, just just by happenstance, I was hanging at the Dovetail booth after I was done with TMS stuff, and Georgia came by, and we started chatting and um, and connected there. So it was really great to get to connect in person and then continue that connection outside and uh, end up here today. So let's see here. Let me get your introduction down. Uh, hailing from the Appalachian Mountains of Western Maryland, Georgia Grace Edwards is the CEO and co-founder of NARA, a venture capital-backed Colorado-based startup whose mission is to help everyone answer nature's call, quite literally. <laughs> Gigi, is that what you like to go by? Uh, is that what you prefer to go by? Georgia Grace is my whole first name, but it's a mouthful and a lot of characters. Okay, got it. (laughs) So Gigi got the idea for the GoFly, Nara's internationally patented zipper technology, while working as a glacier guide in Alaska. Frustrated by having to choose between tactical dehydration or the freezing hassle that was using the bathroom outside, she and eventually a small team set out to make the outdoors more accessible through innovative and inclusive design. Prototyped from her Middlebury Middlebury College dorm room in Vermont, the GoFly can now be found in NARA Apparel online and on the floors of the largest retailers in North America, including Moose Jaw, Mountaineering, Title IX, Public Lands, and REI. NARA's GoFly Tech has won the 2022 and 2023 Outdoor Retailer Awards, as well as top product awards and recognition by Women's Health, CNN, USA Today, Gear Junkie, the U.S. Senate, Forbes, Blister, Outside Business Journal, and more. Gigi currently resides in the Rocky Mountains and brings experience as a Fulbright Fellow, Wild Gift Fellow, Futurist Project Fellow, Economic Consultant, and TEDx Talk Speaker. Wow. (laughs) Girl, accomplished. Yes, that is, that's amazing. All those awards and recognition for, for this company and yourself and your technology. Wow, that is just that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So there's just so much to dive into here. Um, we'll start off with very kind of basic. And since you mentioned in the bio, you know, how it came about was being a glacier guide in Alaska. So even back before that, how did you become interested in the outdoors and activities and adventures before? Were you like, uh, you know, was the whole family into that from childhood or what was your first experiences in the outdoors? 
Yeah, so growing up in the Appalachian Mountains, there isn't much else out there except mountains and outdoor things. So I think outside was very much a part of my childhood. And I was really fortunate in that both my parents had summers off. And so they would take us on anywhere from like three to six week camping trips every summer um, cross country. And we would go to national parks and my younger brother and I would become junior rangers at as many of them as we could. I think we reached like 40 or something. Um, By the time we were far too old to be (laughs) still taking the junior ranger pledge. Um, But that was kind of my background to the outdoors was really car camping and like day hikes. And also played a lot of sports in high school growing up, three-sport varsity athlete, did ballet, and then in college, um, got into like cross-country skiing and ice climbing and was a backpacking guide. And then uh, one the summer before my junior year of college, I worked as a glacier guide in Alaska, which was just something I always wanted to do. I had it on a bucket list and didn't have anything else lined up for the summer. And that ended up landing me where I am today, um, running a pee pants company, which I never saw coming. <laughs> I love that, a pee pants company. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So how, um, when you were in Alaska, at what stage of guiding did this really come into your mind of like, this is a problem because you've had this experience being a a um a ranger and all that and being in the outdoor industry so at what point was it like I can't stop thinking about this and we have to find a solution I pretty immediately like within the first week or so of being up on the glacier for eight to 12 hours a day I was usually one of the only women guides and in comparison to the guys who were turning around unzipping go whenever going whenever wherever I was having to trek across the glacier, carefully avoiding crevasses, completely removing three to four layers in freezing temperatures, doing my thing, putting it all back on, hiking back to work. Um, After a week or two of that, I was like, this is such a hassle. I can't deal with it. And so I just started dehydrating myself. And after a couple of weeks of that, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm a guide. I'm literally responsible for other people's Mm -hmm. safety. I should be at peak physical performance. Um, but didn't really know what to do about it other than I knew I wanted to do something. And then I just sat on the idea for like two years. I don't remember it this way, but since a lot of friends and other people in my life during that time were like, yeah, anytime we went outside, this was like all you could talk about. (laughs) I think I was really obsessed with the idea and like bringing it up on first dates and like any opportunity I got. Um, And so I think I was like doing informal market research kind of without knowing it um, yeah <laughs> and then my senior spring I took a four-week entrepreneurship class where you entered with super rough prototypes and I mean like super rough I'd spent winter break um going to Goodwill and Joanne Fabrics and was testing like buttons and snaps and velcro and all these different mechanisms in um basically Goodwill like pajama pants and cross-country ski pants and bibs and whatever I could find. And that's what I started the class with. And then you exited the class four weeks later with a full business model. And I won our first pitch competition, which was $250 that I took to a local seamstress and asked for help on on making the design. 
not it was already functional but it was not pretty and so uh, the pretty piece was key yeah that's yeah. what I was gonna ask next about um seamstress like sewing and yeah. all that did you have any kind of experience before doing that or is it completely like let's figure this out I'm just gonna start learning how to sew things together based very basic level wise yeah I hadn't sewn since seventh grade home economics where we like sewed lines <laughs> onto sheets of paper like uh really didn't know what I was doing but my mom had an old sewing machine and my childhood best friend she was really crafty and had sewn some of her prom dresses. And so she helped me with some of the initial prototypes. And then when I got back to college, a couple of friends who knew more than me would help me. But we have so many old prototypes where like the zippers in backwards, sideways. <laughs> like, I don't know how anyone took me seriously then. But... <laughs> That's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it is. You got to start somewhere, though. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's awesome to have all those just for the, for the archive, for the memories, uh, for especially sure. those times that you feel like, I don't know that maybe we've talked about this a little bit coming into the new year being the new year now of already that like kind of imposter syndrome where you wish you would have done more. And so having things you can look back on and say like, this is where it came from. Like this is literally where it came from. And look at us now. I can walk into um, a moose jaw and, and there's my pants. See, like that's a, that's amazing to see that progress for sure. And yeah. Also, and I think it's yeah. so important as an entrepreneur, because everything's super like, nebulous and gooey and you never know if you're making progress on anything at mm -hmm. any point in time yes. but when you see something tangible like that you're like oh wait this is actually much better yeah because you've For moved sure. on from that right you you're already on to the next thing and trying to get to the next step you've forgotten about like how far you've come and whatnot so um, yeah those Definitely. are it's nice to have that tangible object there that is a is a reminder um, and I just wanted to touch on the glacier thing again real quick just about you yeah, let's put that that vision out there, people. It's not just in the guy or in the in the forest that like, here, let me pop behind this tree. You're in yeah. wide open spaces. So in a group of people, yeah, you have to be conservative. That's just how we are as a society still. It's not just like, okay, everybody turn around. Your guide has to go pee now or whatnot. Yeah. Um and it I'll say it started as very much a cold weather pain point, but we quickly realized there's so many other applications. Like you don't have to be in freezing temperatures mm -hmm. for this to sometimes be like a life or death situation. If you're rock climbing, for example, yes. we have so many, we have like so many compiled horror stories from women that they just send in an email weekly of people being stranded on ledges or gosh, I don't, there's some like crazy stories in there. And you're like, wait, this is a, a simple fix. It is yeah. not this yeah. complicated. Yeah. Yes. Any active woman. And I mean, and, and beyond that, um, we could talk about just accessibility mm -hmm. for others who you don't necessarily have to be in a harness or in freezing cold weather to need that easy access and have the coverage still um, yeah and health applications as well like the number of women who get utis and stuff from holding it is oh, ridiculous yes. like that's we just consider that like standard like oh yeah, yeah it happens totally and it totally that's doesn't need to happen surface level yeah, yeah. surface yeah <laughs> totally. utis are just surface level there's so many other things going on in our uterus yeah. <laughs> yeah. i've gotten a kidney infection before from having oh. one that i didn't like i thought went away and it mm -hmm didn't it but the symptoms because everything just like went further in and all of a sudden I ended yeah. up in the ER and I was with a kidney infection I'm like wait what <laughs> I thought I was on I the up and up with the same thing 
Yeah, it's really common. Yeah, <laughs> People just don't talk about it because it's yeah, still yeah. kind of taboo for some reason. Exactly. Well, for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think we're getting there. We're definitely taking the strides to being more open about talking about these these things and you know periods like going to the bathroom, all of this stuff that's natural. Why is it why is it weird to talk about when it doesn't seem weird if a guy talks about it? I know. Totally. And, and then for it's one thing for us to talk about it in a group of girlfriends, but then, yeah, to be a business who's bringing it and you're like, hey, to the world, this is the problem we're addressing. And people, I can imagine, don't always take to that well. They're like, well, well no, ew, we don't need that. We're women. Like, just go to the bathroom. You shouldn't be peeing outside or whatever interesting um, or differing rather views yeah. they have. But, There's a range of reactions for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> thousand. I bet. So let's talk a little bit about the business now or further yeah. into it. You've got the prototypes. You've gone to Seamstress. Where, what was your first kind of big step into having that prototype that you thought you could bring to people? Like, was it another pitch fest or what was your first step in getting to a manufacturing point? We operated almost as a a service-based company as opposed to a product-based one in the early days while we were still testing the idea because a lot of professors and students and people from town would bring us their cross-country ski pants or their jeans or their whatever pants and say, hey, can you put a zipper in this? And I was like, well, I can, but it's not going to be pretty. And they didn't care. Um, And so that was a lot of the initial testing that helped really refine the design. And then... I'd say our biggest kind of milestone after that was our crowdfunding campaign, which we did on iFundWomen mm-hmm. in 2019. And we more than tripled that goal. And that was really our launch pad into actually having our own physical product. And we started at a fair trade zero waste factory in India that one of our college professors, um, he had gone to grad school with the founder of this uh, factory. And that was really cool. My co-founder Charlotte went and visited that factory um, and I guess one more intermediary step there was getting a tech pack designer to help translate the physical product into the blueprint for manufacturing. Um, and we were all still either full-time students or working full-time jobs. I was a Fulbright fellow in the Czech Republic at this point in time. So I was like running our campaign wow. from a different time zone and wow. Wow. from a small apartment with limited Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the big moment of like, okay, there's at least 500 other people who are interested in this idea. That seems like mm-hmm. enough to like move forward with manufacturing. Absolutely. Amazing. That's an amazing crowdfund. Three times you said your goal you made? Wow. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, and then, so we started manufacturing at the end of 2019. And at the beginning of 2020, we all know what happened. Mm -hmm. And this teeny tiny factory went out of business overnight. And so we lost everything that hadn't left the factory, which means that at least a third of our customers ended up waiting like two years for product. And out of that couple hundred people, we maybe gave five refunds, which thank goodness, because we, again, we weren't even doing this full time. This was still a side hustle at this point. Um, So there's no way we could have refunded all those people. So the fact that they were willing to wait that long for a solution, um, I think was a a testament to like how much this is needed. And then we had like completely organically established this wait list of 5,000 people um, in the time that we were waiting, which meant our next official manufacturing run, um, which was delivered in 
2022. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, with some samples in between, but that was 12 times the size of the first production run. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. You there know, were a lot of like stop start moments. <laughs> yeah. 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 I bet it was really scary to have that all shut down and not know if you're going to be able to, you know, like produce. So you're like, now how do we start over, find a new factory, all that. But it's also, it's like kind of something to say about that waiting, right? You've got this, you're yeah. like going to deliver. You're like, here's this, here's this, instead of like, it's just available, go buy it. Like people are now like, oh, we've been waiting for this forever. They The want is more almost. They're like, we cannot wait to get our hands on it now. A wait of 5,000. Like yeah. that's, that's incredible. And then obviously to be able to produce that is even more incredible. Like you said, just, just, or uh, verifying that the needs out yeah. there, people want this. That's totally. got to help keep you going during those hard times. You're like, no, people are still out there. People still want this and they're waiting. And in that first production where you got shut down, those people waiting, those were the crowdfunding folks, right? Or. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, so I think about a third of them were waiting for that full two years to actually get, I mean, they ended up with the best product possible. Yeah. Um, yes. Awesome. But yeah. Long wait. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Faith in the idea of the product though, yep. for sure. And that's what's I think so wonderful about crowdfunding is that's the people that you attract, the people who like wholeheartedly believe in what's going on. And even if they weren't to get the product, especially because of the situation that happened, you know, it was a, a worldwide problem. It wasn't just you guys who your factory happened to shut down. Um, but they I'm sure even if they never would have got the pant, they would have been like hey we support this idea if it's going to take you five years to figure something else out like we we want to help you get there and so again just so lovely when you have those moments of people who truly support you because it can be really hard in this world to to want to keep going and feel like you're trying to get over every hurdle so especially during a pandemic also can anyone believe that that was for almost four years ago now because I cannot. No, when I no. realized driving the other day, like 2024, I'm like, oh, wait, four years now? Seriously? How? How? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, I wrote the date on today or on my notes today. And I was like, wait, what year is it? Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's insane. So now that you have you, you had that wait list of 5,000, you're, you're into production. What's your what's your business model like? So you started service base, like you said, and now you have this product. So how are you getting it to people just like your website, social media? What's the delivery method there for getting people to know about? Um, at this point, it's SheFly, right? Yep. Okay. We're called SheFly at this point in time. And we're until spring of now last year, 2023. Um, initial distribution was all direct to consumers. So we had that list of couple thousand early adopters and um we did after we shut down our crowdfunding campaign we transferred it to pre-sales on our site which was a good way to keep capturing that demand um and then in the summer of 2022 we launched with our first retailer moose jaw mountaineering and we spent most of all of 2021 in two accelerator programs because we were like, okay, no one can make product right now. Let's at least learn everything that we can about how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so we started with the Moose Jaw Mountaineering Outdoor Industry Accelerator that was hosted 
um, here in Gunnison, Colorado in a co-working space. And that taught us everything we needed to know about um, how to sign a retailer, what payment terms look like, what to expect, how to market with them. And so we ended that accelerator with our first purchase order from Moose Jaw and they paid for half of it upfront, which is unheard of in wow. the apparel world. Um, so we're super grateful to Moose Jaw um, for helping us get off the ground. I think it's very rare to find a retailer with that level of buy-in yeah. um, that we've had from, from Moose Jaw, literal buy-in. And then that accelerator ended by June, I think. And in July, we started... July or August, we started the Mass Challenge Accelerator, which was out of Boston, but everything was virtual at this time. Still kind of is. Um, and that was not uh, industry specific in terms of outdoors. There were biotech companies and AI companies. And um, there were over 230 companies, I think, total in that accelerator. But we ended up winning the top $100,000 diamond award for the final pitch at that accelerator. Um, and that was the moment when Charlotte and I were like, okay, I don't know whatever, what other symbol we're waiting for. Like mm -hmm. we should go full time with this. Yeah. Um, we had a combined like 150 K cash from Moose Jaw paying early and winning this accelerator, which is still not even enough to pay for a purchase order, but we ran with it. Um, yeah. And then this year, so now we're officially, we just passed a year and a half of product being on the market. So we started in 2022 with the Go There pant featuring the GoFly zipper. And then last year, 2023, we launched the short, the Go There shorts that also have the GoFly zipper. And we thought we were going to need to have um, product on the market for a lot longer before there was interest in licensing the GoFly zipper. Um, but that has actually started happening now at the end of 2023 so now we're in r d with a couple companies to put the gofly zipper into their products so we have d2c wholesale and this emerging licensing stream all kind of happening that's at the same time. really cool i was yeah that's amazing i was wondering how um that might work just the licensing it so that would mean someone is interested in just that technology of the zipper and using it like in their product Exactly. So our idea here has always been to get this technology into as many hands, as many bottoms as humanly possible. Yeah. And we know we can't produce all of those in-house ourselves. There's new requests every single week for a different product. Um, right now, we've been trending on a lot of sailing accounts. Like people oh, really want this in sailing shorts, for example. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> It does. And someone who, as someone who like hasn't ever sailed, I didn't quite understand it at first, but there's tons of seemingly niche applications like that. Yeah. Um, and so we want this technology to be the norm across genders, across industries, instead of the exception when it comes to bottoms. Um, and so we are starting with products that we know for sure that we won't be producing in-house ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, for example, a lot of my initial prototypes were in ski bibs, but I quickly realized super seasonal in terms of the buying season, super expensive to manufacture. Uh, women's participation in snow sports are still not what they are in most other outdoor activities. Right. Um, and so that is an example of like a perfect place to license where someone else has already perfected it. They're just mm -hmm. missing this key functionality. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of examples of this in the outdoor industry. If you think about like Boa shoe dials or Vibram mm -hmm. soles yeah. or Gore-Tex lamination, right. mm -hmm. um, a lot of those companies started with their own product and then 
the functionality was something that could apply to a lot of different brands products. That's really cool because that is one thing that I hate when you run into like, for instance, just using the pants hiking out. Um, I got a pair of the go there and I went on a little jaunt the other day and I was just thinking <laughs> like, okay, this is awesome. But then what happens when the weather changes and I need more, right? I'm not, I, I need either a base layer. So then that's not gonna, that's gonna affect using the zipper or just like a warmer pant. Like if it was a fleece lined pant or a, a more hybrid kind of soft shell cross country or whatever kind of pant. And it's so hard to find something you love and you're like, okay, but now how do we get it on this too? So the fact that you guys are are doing that licensing, it's just a amazing thing and great to hear because there are all these ways. I know Amber has had specific um, instances with being on a construction site and having yeah. to, to pee and one thing too of like, okay, where do I go? But some even something like having to go there pant that you can do it more discreetly um, than just bearing all <laughs> is helpful. Yeah. So that's we're braving awesome. a gnarly, uh, a gnarly honey. Bucket. Porter, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> also, even if you can at least go in there for like privacy, maybe at, at least having the, the yeah. go there zipper, like you're like, okay, I don't have to, <laughs> I can still kind of hover and like not touch anything, leave my pants yeah. up. <laughs> And in this stage of the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say for like my period, which I realized Mm -hmm. recently that I have a heavy flow, guys. um, I use a (laughs) diva cup and they get messy and like it would be so much more convenient to just have like one zipper as opposed to like putting your shirt up really high and, you know, all the complications (laughs) that come with just having to relieve yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I road tripped from, I was living in Boston and then I moved to Colorado when we went full time. And so it was still middle of the pandemic and I road tripped from there to here um, solo in like 40 hours or whatever I did. And I live streamed every pit stop I did between Boston and Colorado because no one was going into gas stations or any of these public restrooms at that point in time. Yeah. And that was another whole other application. Rest stops are all closed. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And and this stage of the pandemic too, there's a whole group of people who are really, really, I don't know if germaphobic is the right word, but something like that. And so now they're like, oh, finally, like my butt never has to touch a public Ah. toilet seat Mm -hmm. again, which is like another application that didn't even occur to me when I was first starting this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Except all the ways you don't think sailing. Uh, I've never sailed either, but I have worked on boats. My boat was pretty, it had a a lot of amenities, but the Mm. fishermen around us, like they didn't have bathrooms. They were using buckets and granite, you know, it still just might be a little more comfortable that peeing off the side of these boats, but still (laughs) to be like, okay, I'm on the deck. Like, let me just unzip and go right over instead of in the bucket or trying to balance some odd ways so, so many so many applications it's just yes. it's fun to kind of think of these different situations I For was sure. trying to when I was out in them like all right what would be yeah a situation that this would be the most handy thing and sometimes you just don't know till you're in it so that's why mm-hmm. when you ha- when you happen to be wearing them during those situations and you mentioned road tripping so that reminded me of Tammy Joe as well whom mm-hmm. um, I think you know as well. We've had on the podcast several times and we attended awesome. her event swell. And so she took a pair with her to when she did the Rebel Rally. Yes. Yeah. That's and right. 
because in that, I mean, they're they're racing um, on an overland trip and trying to do things quickly. <laughs> and again, they're out in like, <laughs> sand dunes, so not yeah. easy to like hide. And but in that situation, you know, I'm sure that's the least of anyone's worry if they see your ass while you're peeing. But still, just the For ease real. of it. It's just a quick zip instead of like down up, like whatever. Uh, worrying about peeing on your britches when they're down I definitely have to <laughs> I'll hang on to trees sometimes yes. and really yeah. sit back depending <laughs> like okay let me get uphill from this you know <laughs> but, yeah or also, to Amber's point so many other work applications like a lot of our early adopters have been like bridge inspectors or something like construction where you have like a 40 pound tool belt or harness yeah um or you're in an area that's like full of mosquitoes or cacti or like a lot of field scientists there's uh, more than half of our reviews mentioned something along the lines of like every other pair of pants I have is ruined because now I like expect this yeah now that I know it's there I can't stop thinking about it and all these other applications and that's kind of what happens yeah yeah and I I literally can't I mean, I obviously can, but I don't want to live without the a, a drop seat or zipper of some kind. I mean, in every ski bib I've had in my snowmobile mono suits, um, and now Dovetail has a drop seat in one of their overalls, and so I just Let's. feel like I I like I need something. There's no going back. Pants. Yeah, that just makes it so definitely so much easier and trying out different ones I'm you know it's just funny to see the differences I just got a new mono suit for Christmas and the zipper comes just a little bit further on the thigh I was like wow this drops the seat like so much more it's all these little little things that make the huh. difference and yeah. ease of use and making sure everything's out of the way but again mm-hmm. you're you're really barren all in those situations and in the snow. So something like the <laughs> mid zipper like what you're the go uh, fly uh, that's that's a little bit that's been the best like most secure conservative and I honestly when I first used it the other day I was like almost like stage fright because I was mm-hmm. squatting yeah. there it's such it just, a weird feeling yeah, to pee yeah. with your pants on exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the whole yeah, educational I, component because for decades you've been doing it the only way that's been available to you Yep, I'm like okay I know how like to get in position how far I need to pull my pants down and so I'm sitting there and I was like okay like, let's go but and I, I wanted to I had the urge to pull apart um and uh-huh. I didn't feel like I really had to at all as soon as I squatted the it naturally like spread open Separate. enough so I was like okay wow that was and then when after I was done, I was like, okay, is that it? Like now I just zip up. Like everything just felt <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, so like that was too easy um, almost. And so I can't so wait funny. to go out and try them again too. But yeah, I was like, huh, yeah. Literally feel like people are watching me or something. <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And super easy to use the zipper, <laughs> uh, nice and smooth all the way back to front um I even mentioned too I did a little review I haven't posted anything yet but um my shoulder sometimes I can't like reach all the way behind obviously I can reach with the other shoulder but this was so nice to be able to go halfway and then just reach back and go the other half I didn't feel like okay I can't get this up because I've been there with some of my drop suits and um suits that I can't (laughs) zip it I'm like I okay. can't get it back oh yeah. no <laughs> like I need help like someone needs to pull this together so I can zip up so that was super nice to just have it be so easy and smooth um and oh I forgot what else I was going to say about it but 
or if you have a huge pack on yes like that's... not having to go through the hassle of taking it back out or off setting it down like you can keep every single piece of clothing on yeah, that's yeah. exactly what and I was going to because I had a, a little pack I've been rucking. So I just had oh, no nice. reason for a pack other than throwing weight on it. And I was like, oh, this is great, too, because I con- I was taking traction on and off. So I had my pack on and off, but I got I was at that point so tired of it. I'm like, I do not want to take this thing off one more time. Yeah. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> I don't have to readjust anything because I don't know about anyone else out there, but I know that once I get my pack situated I don't want to touch it because of the littlest 100%. movement I'm like okay now something's off in the weight distribution so it's really nice to just be cool I don't have to do anything besides pop a squat and unzip, unzip. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really interesting to, too to see how um like kind of everything about this process changes with this technology like for example the height, the average height of women's squats or like stances outside while going to the bathroom is increasing because if you think about it, the reason we squat is one, our pants are around our knees. So we have to, to make sure we're not peeing on them. And then two, we're always ducking down to look for privacy. And neither of those things are relevant when you're wearing go there pants or shorts or anything with the go fly zipper in it. Um, So now there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I just actually fully stand up and it's, wild to think about yeah that's a great point because I know that there are people out there who hate to pee outside because they cannot squat comfortably they cannot get low enough and whether it's a younger active person but the people I know and where I live there's a lot of knee injuries so they're like no I can't like I literally can't squat right now I just had ACL surgery (laughs) (laughs) whatever it is do people you I'm sure they do but um it must be super easy to use the funnels, the P funnels with these mm, pants. Geez. Yeah. Any of the FUDs, female urination devices are mm. compatible with all of our products. And if you read a lot of reviews for those products, the most commonly mentioned things are leakage and overflow issues. And a lot of that occurs because people are, t- women are shoving funnels down from the top waistband of their pants, like that top zipper, instead of being able to insert horizontally exactly where they need to place it. Um, So we always say whatever floats your boat. Absolutely. I think what was really important to me with starting this company is that solving for the root cause of this problem. And to me, the root cause is not anatomy. So we don't need to Mm -hmm. recreate male genitalia and then carry around extra gear Ah, in order to do something that our bodies are already capable of doing. However, like if you like using those devices, now they're even better with the GoFly zipper. I just don't think you should have to do that as the only option. I love that. And well, like you just said too, before this, like you don't have to get in that really low squat. So if that's a reason you've used these devices because you can't squat or don't want to, or whatever, you don't have to with the go there pant or shorts. solution. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) I am curious. Um, Oh yeah. Go ahead, Amber. I was going to say, you mentioned wanting to talk about the history of pants. Oh, yes. Um, Well, I think it's really relevant to a lot of your audience here on this podcast, but um, you said something about like, once you have it, you'll never go back. And Mm -hmm. I think the same thing has happened with like pockets, for example, like in 2024, if you're producing something without pockets, like, sorry, it's not going to work for women specifically. And if you think about pants, like I think the most common reaction I get is, oh, I can't believe you're the first person to think about this. And I'm not, I'm hundred yeah. percent not the first person to think about this. And that is because 
very little innovation has happened in this space from like Jesus till now, basically. Like pants were designed by and for men and were not ever traditionally worn by women. And even in the United States, that continued through the 70s, 80s, 90s. There Mm -hmm. were colleges and universities. The U.S. Senate on the floor did not permit women to wear um, pants or shorts. And so women have not actually been wearing things other than skirts or dresses for that many years, which means there's just like a lag in the amount of innovation that has happened in the space. Um, And so when people are like, oh, like I don't, like a lot of men, when I pitch this to them, they're like, oh, I don't really think pockets are that revolutionary. And I'm like, well, they're not for you, but for the other half of the population, that's why like anytime you compliment whatever article of clothing a woman is wearing, usually the first response is like, thanks, it has pockets. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And so I think people don't realize how big that historical um, political component really affects the way that like clothing is designed and like Mm -hmm. how we function in society and all of those things. Million percent. Right. A really good point. That never would have crossed my mind. And well, it made me think about even (laughs) news broadcasters and sports broadcasters. You see it a little more often, but even them used to obviously news broadcasters a lot are sitting. So we don't know, but the weather women, or like I said, women who are on the field, you still don't see them in pants a lot. And that might be personal choice. um, But I do think it, especially in the sports world, I feel like there's probably pressure to be extra feminine because like, they're definitely not going to take you serious as a woman on the field if you're in pants because they're, they don't want to listen to a woman. But if you look sexy and they're in a dress or a skirt, then they'll at least pay attention to that. And maybe they'll hear what you have to say about the game. But um, so it's crazy that they're, yeah, crazy that there's still pressure in certain industries to not wear pants. Thus, like you said, not innovation in them because it's not looked at as we need it or functional. And I am, I wasn't sure if I was going to actually call this brand out, but I'm going to, because you mentioned pockets, right? You just anyone out there who is still producing and not making like functional pockets. Like what, what are you doing? I love the brand carve designs, but mm-hmm. I went and put on a new pair of their, like this turtleneck cars- is actually carved. I think. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I love their Carson <laughs> jean. I have several pairs and I went and put on, tried on a pair the other day and immediately stick my hand straight in the pocket. And just to the first knuckle, I was like, wait, I mean, I know you've been producing this pant for a long time, but all you have to do is add deeper pockets. And I was really like, I just, I can't buy another pair. I just, after Mm -hmm. living in leggings or dovetail mostly now too, and being able to put my whole hand in the pocket, I'm like, I I don't think I can. I can't put anything in here, but a chapstick. Yeah. I want to be able to put my hands in my, I want to put my phone in my front pocket. I don't want to have to put it in the back pocket because I don't often carry a purse or anything, sometimes a fanny pack, but only because I have to, because I don't have pockets that my phone can fit in. So that was one of the- And that was a whole other historical trends too. Like there was a point in time, I believe it was in the 1800s where petticoats and like hoop skirts started having pockets built into them. And then when silhouettes got slimmer because that was sexier and trendier, pockets were eliminated, which meant that at least in heterosexual couples, men were carrying all of the belongings on behalf of the woman and Mm -hmm. she didn't have any ownership 
over like any of her actual belongings. There's like so many things wrapped up into all of this. (laughs) So there's things we don't think about because on the surface, it just seems, especially to men, seems so trivial or something. And to us, it's like, it's deep ingrained and we don't even know why or how, but it's like, because we've been suppressed by it. So now we get it that it's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did want to ask how you became uh, Nara from SheFly. Yes. So we came up with SheFly in college. I wanted a company name that was two syllables, short and sweet, and immediately communicated both the audience and the product. And so SheFly definitely accomplished that, but it didn't accomplish everything we wanted to be able um, to do with our name. And so we ended up rebranding this year, which was many or sorry, last year, 2023, which was many years um, in the making. But there were a few reasons. One is that since college, we'd been kind of this this one hit wonder with the pants. And so um, we were known as SheFly by SheFly featuring SheFly. So there was no differentiation between the company, the patented tech and the products. And so it was just confusing about what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The second reason is that as a, we were transitioned out of this college project side hustle into a real company. And so having a name like that was limiting our ability to scale um, because we knew there were other things, like this is just one product of many that we want to solve in the world and in the outdoor industry and for women in general. And so being limited to just like crotch zippers in pants was not enough for everything that we want to do. And then a- another reason too was that we've become known as this leader in the outdoor industry for inclusivity and accessibility. And by having only one pronoun in our name, we're leaving out a lot of people. We have non-binary team members. We have a lot of trans customers who were either wearing our products and feeling uncomfortable because it didn't match their pronoun, or we're just not, we weren't even converting them at all because Mm -hmm. it didn't match. And so there was no reason to be unnecessarily exclusionary when the very thing that we're trying to do is make everything more accessible to everyone. And so that is how we got Nara. And it comes from the Latin root word naris, which means to get to know or to become familiar with. So we took this problem that at least half the population is highly familiar with um, and solved it. And because we've started, we want to license out to every industry imaginable, but because we started in the outdoor industry, we wanted to have nods to that. um, So like, gnarly shred the gnar but yeah that's what i think of take yeah kind of redefining how we associate with those terms and how we all go outside and what we're like outside Um, so we wanted a clean slate made up word that you know didn't necessarily mean anything besides what we wanted to imbue it with and then we named the the she fly patented technology the go fly technology and then all of our products start with a go something naming convention so we'll launch um, leggings this year and they're called the go free legging and oh. they are compatible with the pants or they amazing that's yeah. so cool i can't wait to see that oh yes yeah i was fine i run pretty hot so i was like i doubt i'll really need a base layer but i was like but there's times like maybe i was doing a pretty casual hike so on the way it's all the way <laughs> it's on the way down that i get colder so um mm-hmm. and like that's the time i was thinking like oh i might need a layer in another week or if it ever snows <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. and that's so awesome It'll too snow. yeah hopefully it's gonna snow I, at some point yeah at some point I was gonna say being in the outdoor industry myself and just having that mindset what Nara when I first heard it made me think of was kind of going to those terms like gnarly like yeah go send it whatever go do whatever you want and you can because you can be anywhere and do it so <laughs> exactly Yes. Was it hard to 
rebrand. I know that a rebrand rebrand can be very expensive and be hard for some brands because it's just, I mean, it's a huge process. Um, but being yes. at, you were still a, well, a small company, but being new and growing. So did you feel, was there a long period of time to get you to like decide to do it because of worrying about who you're going to take with you, or is it going to be hard to keep customers or have to kind of reinvent yourself with the new name or how, how did that go? Definitely. I mean, it was a big risk, um, but it was one that we felt was completely essential to mm -hmm. where we're trying to take this company. Like by keeping the name SheFly, we were truly limiting yeah. uh, the amount that we were going to be able to do. Um, and for example, like some of, from our early conversations with other brands, we knew that they didn't just want to put the zipper into their women's line. There's a lot of interest to put this into unisex applications or into only a men's line if they only make a men's version of something. Um, and so we knew that to, especially to grow that licensing revenue stream, we needed to rebrand at least the patented technology and we wanted to rebrand the whole company. Um, the two biggest hurdles were deciding when we were going to do it since we already kind of existed and already had name recognition with SheFly. And then how, like what we were actually going to change it to. Mm -hmm. We'd spent a couple of years trying to brainstorm new names ourselves and we just we were too closely connected to the product. We yeah. couldn't like zoom out. Um, and so one of our mass challenge mentors, Sean O'Brien, um, did our whole rebrand for us, which was amazing. Um, and we had checklists started like over a year before the rebrand because there's so much on the back end that has to happen. Yeah. A legal standpoint, like changing all of your paperwork, changing all of your URLs, your social media handles. And then with apparel timelines, everything that you're doing is at least a year in advance, probably more. So we were thinking about our hang tags and the mm -hmm. tags in the pants and all of that. Um, and it also costs money to do all of that. And we definitely heard concerns from a lot of stakeholders who are important to us, from investors to retailers to customers who were super attached to the SheFly name and felt really empowered by it. Mm -hmm. And our point was that that same sense of empowerment that you feel we want everyone to be able to feel when right. they're buying into or wearing our products. Um, so yeah, it, it consumed like most of our workflows in 2022 and 2023. And yeah, we rebranded after we already had two production runs out. Well, I guess technically three production runs out on the market. And so it also made it really challenging to plan inventory wise because we knew, okay, we're going to have to try to sell through all of the SheFly yeah. stuff before the NARA stuff arrives, even though we didn't really, nothing about the product itself changed mm -hmm. besides the logo on the thigh is the only difference you can tell by looking at them. Um so yeah, to answer your question, it was yeah. a huge lift, but the month after our rebrand was our best month in company history. And I think that just speaks a lot to us, like sticking to our guns about mm -hmm. what we knew and what we believed to be true and what we thought was the right thing to do. Um, even if, yes, we lost a little bit in SEO, for example, in our opinion, like that SEO is nothing in comparison to like actually doing something that's making a positive difference. And so it made us really defend our decision to like, we had to pitch retailers on it. We had to pitch mm -hmm. investors on it. We had to pitch our own team members on it. Um, we had to pitch everyday D2C customers on it. Um, but I think it also helps like unite everyone into this one common workflow that we we're all going towards. Yeah. 
I can see that the pros definitely outweigh the cons of it. And, you know, you may have lost a little, but you've gained so much more from it. Even in the retailer aspect, I think it makes it so much easier because as soon as someone sees like, oh, she fly is like, you know, if it's a man and you're trying to, they're talking about this issue. Like, I have a perfect pair of pants for you. Here's a pair of she fly. They're like, wait, no. But if you can say it's the yeah. go there pant as the go fly, they're definitely going to be more interested in and in taking a closer look at it and not turned off right away. Like you mentioned too, with um, customers, you had or a customer base you're trying to have uh, with non-binary or a trans or what have you that, yeah, immediately they're just like, no, not, not for yeah. me. So I think it's easy to see the <laughs> and it's been funny it's been really funny too to see the level of customer loyalty that we established in just uh well under a year of product on the market well a, like big manufacturing yeah. on the market is when we rebranded and we showed up so we rebranded at the the last week in april and then we showed up at trade shows a lot in may june july and there were a couple people who approached our booth and were like hey she fly already did this you're infringing on their patents and we're going to tell them and we were like thank you so much we actually are she fly yeah yeah thank you for your loyalty yeah thank you so much for helping to police the patents um yeah yeah so that that was been really special to see too to actually get to almost like informally test what what level of brand recognition we were at um, yeah and where we will continue to grow from there Yes. That's awesome. I will say it's, I'm sure, much easier at least to do it at your stage than, you know, five years, 10 years down the line. Um, but I'm sure for a while still it will be like, wait, what? There is SheFly. What happened to SheFly? <laughs> and like making yes. sure everything <laughs> goes back. All of a sudden you're looking at some random, you know, a blog, like a review someone did or something. And they're like, wait, what's this yes. company? And yeah. how do you redirect it to the correct place? But it's a better now than and- later down the line. <laughs> Yes, I don't think we could have waited for another season just because the scale that we're operating at, it would have been too difficult to to go back and do it again. And we tried to solve for some of those hiccups, like all of the pants on the market now on the hang tag still say NARA, formerly known as SheFly, and that won't be the case next year. But for a Mm -hmm. full year, we've kept that there. And it's weird to be on the the founder side and our team side. We feel like we've just been shoving this down people's throats for a year, (laughs) at least six months. But it's funny because, um, it, I mean, every week we still talk to someone who doesn't know that we did it. And we're like, wait, really? Like, you didn't see the huge PR? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all of the press releases, you didn't see all the social yeah. media changes, you didn't, um, you didn't read this newsletter kind of thing. Um, but all of those, I think business transitions like this just take time. It doesn't matter mm, totally. how much you do. Time is like the single factor that really For allows sure. everything to align more <laughs> exactly because yes. you realize people pay attention but not that close of attention because like you followed us on social media would you just think you randomly started following another <laughs> brand who does the same exact thing with a different yeah. name you didn't put two and two yeah. together <laughs> but no one cares about your baby as much as you do yeah exactly no one cares about your baby as much as you do that's for sure yeah. I've definitely been in situations that I'm like I, I said this like 500 times on every channel <laughs> and I'm like and you're my friend like yeah <laughs> How did you not know Uh, that this is what I was doing? Yeah. (laughs) But it's good for Um, us to be like, okay, people are not tired of hearing about this. Like, we can still keep talking about it. (laughs) Yes, always. Um, Who all is a part of your team? 
Right now we're a super small lean team. We have four full-time employees and a contractor team. And we're running three different business models under those four full-time employees. Wow. Um, but the two that are with us right now, Lee and Gabby, have been with us since the beginning. Gabby was actually our first ever SheFly college intern. And now she leads all of our operations and helps with wholesale sales. Um, and he has come up with the designs that have won the outdoor retailer innovation awards. So we've been really lucky in having a close knit, um, and dedicated team who has believed in this vision for potentially longer than I have. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Before we head out of here, is there anything uh, that you want to leave the audience with Uh, any you mentioned leggings are coming. Anything else you can mention to the future of NARA, um, as well as where people can find you? We know some retailers that they're in, but um, Instagram, you know, best ways, to, best places to reach you and start to learn more about the company. Yes, thank you for asking this. Um, the landscape has been changing a ton and changing really quickly during and post slash whatever stage of pandemic we're in. Um, And so Moose Jaw, our number one retailer, is actually closing most of its doors, which is a big blow to us. Wow. So um, on the wholesale retail side, when individual customers go into their local REI or their favorite gear store and request to see a new and upcoming brand, that does a lot more good than when I, as the founder, go and pitch it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is something you can definitely do to help us go into your local gear store and ask if they carry us. And if not, why? Um, and then because we're building out this licensing revenue stream as well, um, if there is another application, another brand, another product that you want to see a GoFly zipper in, do us a favor and let us know and also tag that brand in it so they see it. Um, and then I think lastly, even though we yeah are coming up on two years on the market here full time, word of mouth is still the number one way that people hear about us. And so after you hear this episode, if you just tell one person in your life about it, it truly makes a huge difference to a small startup mm-hmm. like ours. We preach Woo! that all the time. Same for yes. the podcast. Like uh, word of mouth. You know? <laughs> it's it's a thing. Networking, all that it is the best way because you're hearing it from a trusted source, most likely. So if your friend is telling you about something, you're you're already halfway bought in because you're like, oh, you like that? Well, I'm going to have to check it out. And that's, you know, the biggest step is getting them to the brand or the whatever. Yeah. So, Especially um, when uh, all the algorithms are not working in anyone's favor right oh, now. <laughs> so dumb. I just hate it. But, uh, but word of mouth of- algorithms never fail. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of where, yeah. how can people get you to kind of pop up on their algorithm? They might find yes, you, you on social media. <laughs> on, on social media, yes. So Instagram is our most popular social media account. That's definitely the best, most updated way to find us. We have a TikTok as well. Um, all are under Nara Apparel and a Facebook. Um, and then our website is nara.com. Um, and something that we've become known for in the industry too, is going viral on social media, like very organically. We have videos that will just occasionally pop up, pop off with millions of views and liking, commenting, sharing those videos really does help. Um, it seems like a silly little thing, but it makes a big difference to small brands for sure. Yes. Yeah. The going viral and all that. I mean, that's, that stuff's real as much as I want to hate social media. It makes a big impact in small brands for sure to, like you said, engage (laughs) and so that you can pop up in other people's algorithm and whatnot. 
Well, Georgia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this. Um, I hope listeners out there will go check out your pants if they have not yet. Um, check online, check your local retailer. I love that you mentioned going in to uh, like your local shop, especially yes. if it's smaller, and personally asking, like, do you have this brand? Because that, I know from experience, does prompt people <laughs> a little bit more, such as the people who make the decisions um, when customers are actually coming in and asking more so than it would if a representative of the company, because that person is more like financially driven. A customer is like, no, I want it. Um, so you yeah. know that is actually wanted out there and it's not just someone with a biased opinion wanting it. So go out there, look for them, ask your retailers, check them out online. And um, if you're an influencer, you love making videos, get a pair of pants and go make some viral videos for them. Yeah, for real. I was announcing as uh, influencing in the wild. I'm not an influencer at all, but I was, you know, out on a trail, thankfully by myself, just talking all about these pants and <laughs> <laughs> testing them out. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Last summer, I hiked a bunch of 14ers in Colorado, and I was like, okay, every single person you see on the trail, you have to tell them about this technology. Um, yeah. <laughs> really fun experience. Yeah. Awesome. It's so uncomfortable for me to do that, like, around other people. I love doing it, but I just hate doing it around other people. Um, mm. So that's that's fun that you made yourself do that. Yeah. <laughs> we talk to everyone and tell them about this. Awesome. All right, Georgia, well, we'll let you get out of here. Um, and I'm sure, I hope that we can have you again, especially as Nara continues to grow and more products are out there on the market, whether it's from you guys directly or licensed somewhere else, we'll continue to share your product and your story um, as well, because we we love it. We're here for it. Well, thank you so much both for having me on the show. It was a really fun conversation. Yes. And happy new year. Yeah. yeah happy, happy new, new year. year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Our first uh, recording of the new year. So yeah, we're, oh, nice. we're ready to start it <laughs> off. We feel like we're starting it off with a bang with some great conversation and things that people need to hear and know. So a thousand percent. Yep. All right, Amazing. everybody out there. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, we'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle like the post, share the post, comment on the post, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.